way, people. Twenty-sixth of February, two thousand twenty-three. Welcome to Counterspin. I'm Calvin L. and I'm Hannah Spira. We have an absolute packed show for you today. We'll be dispelling myths. We'll be bringing the facts and evidence that you love to see, and we'll also begin to the bottom of a lot of things that have been obfuscated from the conversation that you need to know about. Hannah. And this is all in regards to the weather wars that are playing out right here in New Zealand. Um, whatever your belief is, whatever the facts are that you have, we hope to give you some more uh, food for thought because there's a lot of questions going on right now in New Zealand as to where this weather came from. Calvin, we all knew this was going to be the next narrative after COVID. Soon as the COVID narrative started coming to pieces and we told you it would, and we also told you if you look back at previous shows, that this was going to be the next one that would be ramped up. And sure enough, here it is in abundance, and it's coming at you hot and fast. I kept saying they have their foot on the gas, and they ain't taking it off for anybody. And I'll just keep repeating that until it sinks in. So we're going to give you a bit of a breakdown about what's been happening post-Cyclone uh, Gabriel on the east coast of New Zealand. But we're also going to be bringing you, um, towards the end of the show, a short clip of George Soros and his speech from Munich last week in regards to geoengineering. And of course, Rosalind Peterson, a throwback from 2007 when she made a speech at the United Nations about geoengineering. Um, and our guests today are going to be um, Tim Blake, who was down there in the Hawke's Bay doing a bit of a clean-up. Tim Baker. Sorry, Tim Baker. Yes, you're correct. And uh, he'll give us a bit of a report about what happened there. And also, we have a former University of Auckland professor. Um, his name is Jeffrey Duffy, and he is a chemical and materials engineer. He is going to give us the science that you won't find on mainstream media anymore, Calvin, in regards to climate change. Exactly. And the thing about this guy... <clears throat> is he has the receipts. He brings the goods. He shows the evidence. And he also says you can find it as well. It's Everything's there. You know how people say to you, and do you get sick of hearing it? Do the research. The research is done. You just got to read it now. And you've just got to understand it. And I'll be the first one to admit, Calvin, that I was part of the climate cult, uh, you know, and I've had to wake up and actually go and- QI roll. Yeah. I was one of those people, uh, and I was very much a climate alarmist. And, you know, hey, 10, 15 years, almost 20 years later, the seas are not rising, and uh, the ice caps haven't melted, and we're still here. So, again, yes, these are uh, climate change. All these extreme weather events are happening. Uh, everyone can obviously acknowledge that, because it's if you look out your window, that's what's happened in the last two to three weeks here in New Zealand. But the question is, is it man-made? Or is it natural? Or is there two types of man-made, Calvin? Because they're trying to say it's the cars and the... Therein lays your clue. So this is what we're going to talk about today. Um, but first, let's have a quick look at the way mainstream media handled it, because there's a lot of questions floating around on mainstream uh, on social media, sorry, and uh, within alternative media circles, as opposed to what mainstream media is presenting. Of course, um, this cyclone having hit... Um, 
almost two weeks ago now by the time you'll see this and people were very unhappy with uh, the fact that there was a slow response from government officials, from civil defence, from the military on the ground. Uh, People were left to fend for themselves for a long time Um, and now you've got a whole lot of basically people from the freedom community wanting to get in there and help and they are doing that Uh, there's a lot of good organizations in there that aren't actually connected to official organizations the red cross has got five million dollars apparently and they're struggling with working out how exactly they're going to spend that money in the hawks bay region i personally would not give to the red cross because we know as usual that not all of that goes to its intended recipients, regardless of what the uh, talking heads say. Yeah, because they were trying to say that none of it would go on admin, but uh, that's kind of hard to believe. And, of course, uh, there were reports swirling that there was a lot of looting going on, a lot of crimes um, in Hawke's Bay, and the the gangs were having the fingers pointed at them. Uh, Apparently they were going in and holding people at gunpoint. The mainstream media would not cover that for a number of days, and then finally they did, and then the police had to come out and respond, Calvin, and Stuart Nash, the police minister, actually basically was talking to the gangs as if they were five-year-olds, saying, come on guys, pull your head in. Now's not the time for all this crime, essentially. When is the time for crime? I would say there's never a time for crime. As if, wait till next week, when this is all cleared up, you can go back to doing it. Yeah, but I mean, it's like kicking people in the teeth when they're already down, just totally unacceptable. It has to be said that not all gang members were involved. Some of them were uh, community people that were out there getting stuck in, helping others around them too. So it was obviously um, certain areas only that this was really Yeah, you don't want to tie everyone with the same brush, but uh, I think there was a bit of kind of people not wanting to actually tell the hard truth about the facts of what was going on. And there were actually local groups that were having to put on roadblocks and, you know, have um, sentinels out basically overnight. To stop people from the outside coming in and basically ripping them off. Yes, and uh, then Kerry Tapu Allen, of course, came out and basically told them, yes, guys, come on, you've got to cut it out now. Cut it out. No more of that. And it was just, it was such pathetic. a yeah, pathetic response to um, serious criminal activity, which is now called what, Calvin? What's the new woke term? Dishonesty, dishonesty offences. Dishonesty offences. That's right. That's, that's new. You see, uh, the papers had to come out, of course, they had a story and it said, I think Mungrumob member smashes way or got arrested for smashing way in house. Words to that effect. And um, if that was... If the government had got hold of that narrative properly, being Labour, they would have got Mungamai member smashes his way into house to liberate the property from dangerous personal effects or something like that. <laughs> yeah, we're saving these homeowners from their own personal property. From maybe the washing machine flattening yeah. out the flattening out the um <laughs> out the laundry and smacking someone in the head. I'm just taking this. To make sure everyone's safe. Yeah. So uh, you're just literally seeing um, words being rewritten right in front of us, and it's just it's, it's the whole the whole thing is just creating a whole new paradigm for people, as Hannah just referred to before. We went from the COVID narrative. Remember, this was the plague that was going to wipe out mankind. You better go get your jab. Then the jab starts killing people. Oops. Now the evidence is coming out that those conspiracy theorists were right yet again. So quick, let's just pivot over here and focus on watching the water. Yes, it's such a topsy-turvy world, that's for sure. And what we're seeing in New Zealand now as the lab rats to the world on the way that they're rolling out these uh, agendas, which, of course, climate change was always the next one on the list, and climate change lockdowns are coming, and they did try and implement that in the first round of flooding um, in, at the um, 
end of January. Yeah. But what they're doing now is we are literally hearing uh, build back better managed retreat, uh, compulsory land purchases. So this is all in lockstep with the United Nations, Agenda 2030, uh, the Sustainable Development Goals, where uh, James Shaw has already got his climate change plan, action plan ready to go, and it's going to be pushing people off the land into the cities, the 15-minute cities, the 20-minute cities, the smart cities, uh, where it's all going to be so lovely and everybody's going to be looked after because the government loves you. And uh, how do you actually stay on the land and um, actually deal with weather events that do happen naturally? Uh, yes, okay, they are extreme, you know, from time to time. Sometimes they get a bit of a hand to be worse. Yes, so that is exactly what we're going to be looking at. So, Calvin, um, before we get into the kind of pointy end of that story. Why don't we check in with Tim Baker, who has been down in the Hawke's Bay on cleaning. And, and just before we go to Tim, actually, I just want to say, who was responsible for resource consent and sign off for building houses in particular areas? You know how uh, buildings go through different stages. Someone will come in and sign off the wiring. Someone will come in and sign off foundations, walls, or whatever, healthy homes and all that. So who's responsible for placement, for town planning? They should be now held criminally liable or at least financially liable for every loss. Now, you pay so many taxes, you pay so many rates, you should be able to be re relocated to an area of your choice. You should have full rebuild of, build of necessary and property fortification, even if you have to raise it, doesn't matter. You should have that because these people designed and built a lot of your towns on places called historical floodplains. Why would you do that? We've always advocated you build with nature, not in opposition of it. You won't have a problem then. So if you're going to build in a historical floodplain, sooner or later, expect to be flooded. Now, that's not your fault, because when you went to look at the property, it was probably a sunny day. Nothing wrong. But anyway, all of a sudden, you wake up one morning, you find yourself underwater, and um, someone... Got the plans wrong. And actually, there are a couple of other things. The flooding was questioned uh, by people also on social media about the Waikaramoana um, Lake, which yeah. is run, uh, a, yeah, it's a dam that is used by Genesis Energy here in New Zealand. Uh, they did apparently have to release some of that water, and we did reach out to them to see, you know, how much and, you know, over what period of time. And apparently the, what they released is part of their consent process, and it was only 1% of the water that ended up coming down into the township down there in the Hawke's Bay. So, but however, some of the flow data looks in excess of that, it must be said, and we're still sifting through all that information. They are trying to blame everything other than where the blame should be. Don't just blame the forestry either, okay? They are there because the government created the ability for them to do it. No one, just like businesses, we always talk about, oh, those one percenters, they're doing this, this, this. It's because legislation allows them to do it. The legislation and mechanisms by which they can enrich themselves on the back of you and destroy everything around you is legislated for. They get around it. And when there's no incentive to do anything good and the disincentives of fines far, uh, uh, the profits far exceed anything they get fined, it, it, makes, it makes economical sense to continue to violate. It's just 
ridiculous. And that's in regards to uh, the forestry and the slash, yeah. because, of course, that was pushed by the Green Party uh, for people to convert their land from dairy or farming into uh, forestry. Yeah. And a lot of that slash wasn't able to be cleared because of resource consent and people not being able to go onto the land and collect it for their firewood or whatever. Yeah. And it has gone down into the rivers and blocked it up. So the other thing... Calvin- also, also bearing in mind that the Green Party or the Green Movement, these greenies... Um, who are the bane of our existence, to be honest. They're the ones who interfere in what locals know and locals know and know how to manage their land. They know how to live on it. They know how to take care of it. So these people come in from the ivory towers with this ideological view that, hey, you know, you're all bad because you're using bloody tractors and all that sort of thing. So we've got to get rid of you. And they're, we know they're already trying to get rid of the farming industry as a whole. And they say, no, don't do any more extensions to stop banks. Don't excavate the rivers for foundations and all that sort of thing. And what happens? It naturally builds up. It's naturally going to flood and make things worse. So, Thanks, greenies. Yeah, and then the biggest, I think, controversial issue on my um, well, with mainstream media versus social media this past week is the number of deaths. Of course, um, as we record this, the mainstream media was reporting eleven um, deaths and. Earlier in the week, there was 5,600 missing. And I think over the over that time, that is now officially down to 13. So um, we've got these two pre-recorded interviews to hopefully shed, shed some light. Well, um, Tim Baker is going to talk about the number of deaths that he's heard of. Uh, and of course, then the professor is going to talk about climate change science. Um, but, you know, with search and rescue crews out on the coast, in in lines with with their uh, rubber the boats yep. surveying the coast and helicopters, it certainly seems that there may be more to come. Yep. So watch the space. If you're out there and you have hard evidence, info at counterspinmedia.com because we need to hear it from the horse's mouth. There's too much rumour and speculation going yeah. on at this point. And I think this is the problem too because we've seen all the social media. There's one guy who up in Nelson – uh, the Nelson Blight or something like that. Um, he He's always calling us counterfeit um, media and all that sort of stuff. He's a complete knob. But anyway, he goes, this will be a test. We'll see if Counterspin's going to cover all these dead bodies. Well, until we have the facts and evidence, we can't exactly present it. We're getting a lot of hearsay, a lot of second, third hand information. We want to go to the horse's mouth, so to speak. We want the facts and evidence to back everything we say. But that's why we are who we are. And I've said it before, we don't care about being first. We care about being right. We want to give you the best possible information and credible. Okay. There are other sources out there that you can go to. We stick to our guns on this. We don't care what you have to say unless we can verify it and bring you the facts and evidence. We will not um, take it as read and treat it as gospel because it is not. I've heard about the helicopter pilot who GPS located 549 bodies along the coast and that. I've heard about all that, but it was through a friend of a friend. I want to talk to the pilot. I want to talk to the guy who punched in the GPS coordinates. Then we will know because only when you have solid eyewitness evidence and you can tell where the locations were, and of course then they do it for extraction by the ground units, um, we, we can't take it as a fact so we have a team down there now yep so we will get to the bottom of it one way or another and and we we have to make sure that we focus on 
the facts and evidence only. There is a lot of sensationalism that comes, a lot of emotion. Um, it's like the one that got away, the big fish that was really just a sprat. You know what I mean? But the first 24, 48 hours of any disaster, of, of any major incident, is where you are going to get your best raw data from. That before the narrative starts getting controlled, we have to now try to bust through the narrative. So let's listen to what Tim Baker had to say and uh, his connections to people on the front line. And we are now joined by Tim Baker. Welcome to the show, Tim. Now, um, you are coming to us from Napier, but you don't actually currently live in Napier, do you? What's your connection to the Hawke's Bay area? No, so I was born in Napier, uh, 1988. I'm 34 years old. Um, I went to school here. I grew up here for 23 years. Um, my family, my mum, sister, um, cousins, aunties, uncles, they're all living here. Um, and, you know, my family history goes back to uh, this house that I've actually come down to look after. It's called The Nook, and it's where my grandfather grew up, because uh, my dad would be 100 if he was still alive. So his father... Uh, in 1898, um, there was a flood back then and, and the dam burst and it actually swept up where it is now. So there's like all this family history. And then he went to World War One and um, he actually ended up, you know, going to uh, losing his mind from seeing all his mates get blown to bits. Uh, and my dad had to take over the family farm when he was 14. Uh, just, 1898. Yeah, yeah. There's exactly a lot of Ferraris on the road, was there, to do this climate change, global warming bullshit? No. Maybe heaps of cows and horses were farting. Yeah, maybe. Great. So you flew down from Tauranga for five days. And uh, what have you actually seen in that time? So um, I uh, I had my, you know, I didn't, I saw and heard a little bit about flooding in Napier. And then I heard that my sister's home was completely ruined and there was you know a really harrowing story of how my sister uh saved her four-month-old and a six-month-old by climbing up a tree and onto the garage um and uh she actually gave my my niece uh, who's six months old to my nephew who's four years old and swam back and saved the cat so you know i heard that it was just a horrific situation with you know water levels rising crazily out of control completely took her by surprise and she's a really able-bodied person and i was like geez that sounds devastating so and then i get pictures of the house and so i'm like right i gotta i gotta get down to napier to help out i you know the the other farm as well so there are about three or four properties that my family um uh, live in aunties uncles cousins uh sisters um, that were all affected. And so I knew that there'd be a massive cleanup and that they just needed some help. And, you know, I wanted to give my sister a hug. I, you know, met up with my sister and held her and asked her, if, was it scary? And she broke down. And so I hugged her tighter. It's been a really emotional time. Uh, your sources are quite knowledgeable in that area and would have a direct connection to the information that's flowing um, without uh, from within um, can you give us an idea of what you were told about because at the moment we have a big problem with no one trusts mainstream media so everyone looks for alternatives for information now mm. um, 
um, Countess by Media aren't about being first to the story. We want to be right. So um, we want to be the credible ones people can come to and rely on. Mm. Can you tell us what your sources divulged to you about the number of deaths? Mainstream media and government are saying there's only 11 and the amount of people missing, they're saying it's down to somewhere around 130 now on the uncontactable list. What, in your mind, is the actual truth of the situation in regards to that? Well, the sources that I'm talking about both work in emergency services, and they're both in privileged, quite high up positions in the emergency services. And I've known one of these people my entire life, and the other one for at least a few years, five years, and they both said the same thing. Um, when I spoke to them, it was, um, I asked, you know, are you okay? How is everything? You know, it must have been a hard time, you know. And then I said, what's, what's going on here? Um, because my nephew mentioned something about missing orchard workers, but, you know, I couldn't corroborate that. So I asked, you know, because I was interested. I heard that it was really devastating. And they said, uh, well, Napier, Nap sorry, Hastings Hospital, which normally holds, I think it's between 10 and 20 bodies in the hospital. Um, uh, they've opened up the floor, so they're lying bodies on the floor in there. So that's, that holds 60 now, and that's at maximum capacity, this person said. the um, Because it was at maximum capacity, they opened another morgue at the port of Napier. And that one was designed to hold 100 bodies. And he said, that one is at maximum capacity. And obviously, I'm taken aback by this. So I'm sort of gasping. And then he looks me dead in the eye and he goes, we ran out of body bags. Well, another thing I was thinking about previously as well, seasonal workers. There's a lot of seasonal workers in the area, which would make identification of deceased bodies uh, or cadavers. Um almost impossible because they won't have dental records here all they'll have is their immigration papers and that would be of course with internal affairs so that would all have to be come down cross-checked and then maybe sent off overseas to the various countries to get the information do you think um part of the reason why possibly not real figures have been put out there is because of the sensitive nature of the international uh, connection to the seasonal workers you mean to not scare seasonal workers away from coming here? Or not or... to have the international, what? The spotlight put on us. Yeah. Or maybe just not to yeah, increase fear or maybe they just want to wait till everything's ticked off and they've identified everybody. I don't know why they're, why they're not saying at least more about it on the news you know i watched the news it was two minutes and it's usually something fluffy about the pets that have been reunited with their owners or everybody's mucking in and getting help with the cleanup and that's true i'm in there mucking in and helping with the cleanup but you know i i just don't think that they've given the gravity of this situation you know i'm driving through um pukitapu every day and today i thought to myself well the valley narrows up this particular road so i started driving up that road because the narrower the valley the higher the water levels you know and the devastation that i saw when i drove up that road i wish i hadn't done it now i cried on the way back hmm. there's just it's shit everywhere 
Yeah, it, it sounds absolutely heartbreaking. And the footage that we've seen is just <clears throat> atrocious. And, you know, there's people saying it's worse than war, war zones that they've been to. And it's, yeah, like you say, heartbreaking. Are you able to explain um, a little bit about the property that your family owns and how high the water went and how fast it went with one of the people that was living there? Yeah, so we went over to the farm and, um, you know, we started sort of retrieving um, anything that mattered. And my auntie, um, she has all the family history. She's a bit like me. She, she loves history and she loves our family and she loves family history. And so there's just stuff everywhere, you know, like photo albums and all sorts of stuff. So we're just going through that. Um, that was on the first day. The second day, the um, tenant, there are two cottages on the land. One is built in 1860 and the other one was built in the 1990s as a bit of passive income for for her. And um, uh, there's a tenant in there and he was he was home. I drive through the place like the wall of water that came down, like, you know, this guy that we were cleaning out his house, he's the guy that lives uh, on the land. So there's two cottages. There's my old family farm that's been there for 160 years. And then there's a newer cottage on the land. And that guy was home. The other two were actually away in Taranaki at the time. And he comes back to come and grab some shit out of the house, like, you know, going through the mud with us while we're digging it all out. And uh, I said, well, what happened? And he goes, Oh man, like I was, I woke up, it was um, six o'clock in the morning and I just hear this sound of like water and I think, oh, it's just the rain on the roof. And then, um, then it sounds like splashing and I'm like, what the hell? So he gets out of bed into knee, like not, not uh, ankle deep water. And he's just like, fuck, 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 fuck. So he like, he, he uh, goes uh, around, grabs a few things, you know, as you would. And then he goes for the front door and he can't open the front door because of the pressure. So he, um, he manages to get it open. He kicks the fly screen open and then he climbs onto the garage roof. By the time he got onto the garage roof, it was already at like just about the height of the garage roof. And so then it, um, the water rises above the garage. So he climbs onto the veranda, which is a little bit higher by about a foot or so. And then, um, and then it gets up to there. Um, and we've got a photo of this. Like we've got a photo of how high the water level was. And it sat there for quite a few days. Um, and anyway, there's footmarks on the um, on the tin roof of his feet, like climbing up where he had to wait for the helicopter. He called the helicopter and the helicopter, they said, uh, you're fifth in line for uh, rescue. So that just goes to show what think about all of the elderly, think about all of the disabled, the, you know, you know, people that are carrying a bit more weight. This guy was like, he's about in his 60s, probably, but he was like athletic build man, like, you know. How many, how many bodies do you believe that may be, well, may end up on the deceased list? Well, I don't want to speculate as to that. All I can say is I was told by two people that I know in the emergency services in very high positions uh, that are on the front line and are surrounded by people that are on the front line all day, every day, um, that they're are two morgues one makeshift and they're both at maximum capacity i did ask what they thought the number might be and you know they speculated that it could be 500 could be a thousand i don't know is more or less you know quote unquote 
Yeah, that's fair. Well, the one thing we do know is that the government can't be trusted. Even if they got something right, we wouldn't believe them because of all the lies they've told in the past. And this is why we're in the situation we're in and why we're in such pandemonium information-wise. So, um, Tim, what is it? You know, you've had five days there now. Um, do you feel like you just you need to recharge a bit and you'll be back? Or no, not- I want to stay longer, but I can't. I've I've got work and things. You know, I've got I've got workers that I need to go back to. It's cost at least two thousand dollars in lost earnings by me just being here, plus all of the expenses for travel and things like that. So, I mean, I really want to because there's so much work that still needs to be done. Just horrible cleanup work of you know shoveling crap and i wish that i could stay longer and i know i'm going to feel so guilty when i go home because there's all these amazing people that are just busting their asses you know and grafting so hard and i've worked with them you know in the last three four days and they're just relentlessly good people that are just trying to help and they've been so good to my cousin you know so people at home watching this, what would you say to them, you know, if they do want to go and help and they do want to get to the Hawke's Bay, what's your advice? I've spoken with Alia from um, Voices for Freedom. And I think that she's in the very early stages of sort of setting up. If we could find a bit of land um, that we could recreate sort of the Freedom Village on, uh, with all of the food and toilets and everything. So we're not a drain on Napier's already, you know, stretched accommodation and, uh, you know, fuel and food supplies. Then if we could set something up like that here, then that would be just ideal. It, one in Pukitapu and one in, um, Esk, uh, in, in the Esk Valley area, um, and sorry if there's any other places that need help. Yeah, anywhere else, I guess, because there's Gisborne as well, you know, and Wairoa, they need help. So that would just be a dream, I think, for these people, you know, just so we could have a continual place where people can go and stay and recharge and they could come and go, you know, if they need to go back to work. Um, because, yep. yeah, there's there's at least six months, maybe maybe longer, of clear-up to do. It's just vast for miles. It's just silt. So there you go, New Zealand. That's your challenge. You did it before in Wellington. You showed what it was like. Within 10 days, you had a fully functioning town operating, and it was perfect in every way because there wasn't a politician in sight. We've got politicians now, and things are going awry. Get out there. Get your communities back together. And this is what decentralization is all about. Let's show these people how decentralized areas actually work. Come together, bring the resources, help the people, put things back on track. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, Tim. We really appreciate that. And um, do you want to give a plug for your, for your work or, yeah, that's important. Um, you know, you, you're in the, you're in that field of helping people if, if anybody needs help. Sure guys, we do. Um, we do mental health awareness, free counseling, and also we help uh, with, with debt. So if you're getting hassled by debt collectors or anything like that, we've put together the most comprehensive guide uh, to anybody that wants to d- dispute a debt and get, people that are harassing you off your back and send them packing brilliant so what's the website or is that what are your oh, best social media platforms well if you google free counseling for teenagers where the first thing that you'll see i think we rank higher than um i am hope um but i am hope are cool like i'm not <laughs> but um <laughs> but yeah or um uh just google kiwis for good kiwis for good
Excellent. Thank you so much, Tim. All the best. Yeah, there's a lot of great people doing a lot of good stuff out there and may yep. it continue. Thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy. Calvin, that has to be hard, you know, if you were to go down there and, and see all of that and um, see yeah. what your family's been through, your whole family history destroyed. Yeah. And there's no denying the emotion of it all. There's absolutely no denying the emotion. There's people whose lives are in tatters. And it's, you know, like when the, when the cameras stop rolling, their lives still have to go on. Um, but the community down there and the Hawks Bay are very supportive, just like it is up in Auckland, because let's not forget Auckland still still suffering let's not forget northland and other parts of the country still getting hammered so yeah and northland has actually um was cut off last night and all three entry points mungafai brandewins and then so the 16 i think yeah so that's all been cut off um you was. know was yeah and they have apparently opened again so been opened yeah but um it's it's just not it's just relentless it's just non-stop and those slips will happen again because it, it dries out so then it cracks develop and then the next lot of rain goes into the cracks and that'll pull it away i mean we've got to redesign our roading well that's exactly what the government's saying um, yeah, but not in their way yeah and they're not going to build back certain areas so they'll be looking at a whole way to redesign this country essentially and this uh, is why people like the digging at marsden have been parroting on ad nauseum about making sure we have a functioning refinery. Everyone laughed at them. They called them grifters. They called them all types of things. But I tell you what, again, they were right. All those people, I take my hats off to you, who braved for over 200 days, they were up there protesting, saying this plant should be reactivated, it should be reinstated. In fact, I've gone further uh, myself and said we need a second refinery built here in the South Island. Yes, so why don't we move into the science aspect of it? Because, of course, uh, the climate change narrative is playing out in the media, but they're trying to shut down all debate about it. Um, and, of course, Mer um, Maureen Pugh, she is a West Coast National Party List MP. Um, she had some questions this week about exactly uh what the science was behind and it was a good question she had a very she was maintaining a very good position because that's how it should be show me the facts and evidence give me the give me the science that backs what you say your hysteria and um then i'll look at it so let's listen to this video of maureen and then we will come back with professor jeffrey duffy and uh, see what he has to say and what evidence he can provide for people like maureen who may uh, be not wanting to buy the uh, greenwash. Climate change is not lapping at our doorstep, it's barreling through homes. In Gisborne, Carl Brandt trudging through his new lawn of silt. Save that. And trying to salvage whatever Gabrielle left behind. These guys here are digging horrible crap. They've been at it for an hour and a half, sweating it up. Just volunteers, you know. But in the wake of two climate catastrophes, the Auckland anniversary floods and Cyclone Gabrielle, a national MP still isn't convinced on climate science. It's not what I think, it's what I can prove. I am waiting on the evidence from the Minister. News to a leader. Is there any room for climate deniers in your caucus? Uh, look, if, you, if you're denying that climate exists, if you're a climate minimalist, uh, you can be under no illusions it's real. Maureen Pugh has just said she's yet to see evidence climate change is man-made. Uh, I would be very strongly saying uh, climate change is real and it's happening. Disbelief from her own colleagues. 
Well, some of them. Do you think that climate change is man-made? Uh, well, I'm not the weather man. Of course it is, and you think you can see the, the effects of that. Obviously, man has an impact on the climate, there's no doubt about it. The science is very clear. We have cooled and warmed, cooled and warmed over millions of... But you don't think the current climate change is down to humans? I, I have yet to see uh, what the evidence is. She doesn't believe that it's man-made. OK. Um. Staggered the National Party is still having this debate. Climate change is absolutely man-made. What do you think of more MPs' comments? Oh, well, I think um, Simon Bridges made some comments on that a couple of years ago. I won't repeat them here. Those comments from 2018. To help Pew out, the Climate Change Minister brought a climate report to Parliament. Yeah, look, I honestly don't have time to respond to, you know, people who just don't believe in science. But don't take it from him, take it from this climate scientist. Human uh, influence, mainly through greenhouse gases, is warming the world. And basically every other expert. There's a tonne of evidence. Um, there are tens of thousands of papers on this topic. It's the most studied um, question in earth sciences in the last quarter century. Carl Brandt, unimpressed with Pew, imploring political parties to do more to tackle climate change. I just hope we're not too late, you know. And then this is what, yeah, this is what people are going through because of it. And now we are joined by uh, Professor Jeffrey Duffy. He is a retired University of Auckland um, chemical and materials engineer. He has two PhDs. He was the first doctor of engineering in Australasia, and he's had a lot of real-world experience as well, running a consultancy firm. Um, and before we get his comments on um, the whole Maureen Pugh situation, uh, welcome to the show, um, Professor Duffy, could you please just give us a bit more of a, an elaborated um, bio because we want people to understand that, um, and you're not showing off, it's not something to grandstand about, but you actually have the scientific background to, to be commenting on these issues. Unlike the Green Party, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, well, good morning or good, uh, good day, everyone. Yes, my background is uh, a BSc and ASTC diploma in chemical engineering, so it was a seven-year degree, so I went to companies all the whole time and went to university at night. And then I came to New Zealand and uh, went slowly did my PhD. In fact, I did a PhD in four years and discovered a lot of new and innovative things. And what triggered me, if you like, was the desire to find out what's causing it, why it was causing what what's causing it, how can we change it, and how can we do to minimise the cost, the uh, in capital cost and the operating cost, in a particular plant and then that all got published and then of course went on from there and uh, developed and invented a lot of things and then during that time I was working on infrared heating and drying and so on and that took off so I formed a company which did uh, right consulting right around the world so I have a practical background in in that and of course we lived in in Scandinavia and and uh, two places and and USA as well with big companies I used to consult and that and and gave a lot of presentations around the world. So my background, if you like, is fluid mechanics and heat transfer. And in the process of that, I was looking at some of the things that are really vital to climate and weather. And of course, evaporation becomes a big one. And of course, the fluid flow both in the air and in the sea, uh, the motions. Things, special things like evaporative cooling, we'll perhaps talk about that later. This, not only radiation, because radiation is only one factor. Uh, and so I taught a lot of this for 40 years, but also added to that, I did process con control, which means automatic control, which is 
how things operate and how things feedback, and that brought in the economics and design and so on. So that's the background, really. And uh, so I've had more than four decades of teaching and close to five, and then uh, about 300 pub- plus publications in a wide range of fields, but mainly using basic chemical engineering, cause and effect, to, to develop various areas, a wide range of areas, from crop dusting, utilisation of coal dust, right through to fluid flow in pipelines and mills and so on. So that's a bit of a background. Excellent. Nice. So, um, yeah, maybe let's just get this kind of political question out of the way because you have um, actually brought the science so that uh, people like Maureen Pugh don't... Who was actually... waiting for the science. Yes, and uh, then, of course, she quickly had to backflip because of the political pressure. Um, and it's very interesting, isn't it, how they always like to call people climate sceptics or now climate deniers. So uh, what would you say to Maureen Pugh and um, what science can she actually use as her foundation to be um, asking questions about the whole idea of man-made climate change being the issue? Well, obviously, weather's changing all the time. It changes overnight, weekly, monthly, seasonally, annually, and you get all sorts of patterns and things happening. So... You, it's impossible to be a, a weather denier nor a climate denier. Keep in mind that climate is a 20 to 5 to 50 year average of weather. And that changes too. So the average changes. So we've got a lot of information that we can use to uh, and uh, ac- uh, accurate analysis of these things. So that that's fair enough. But all she really wanted uh, from what I read was that she wanted the evidence. That's all she wanted. She said, give me the evidence. And I've been working on the evidence for years and sent it all around the world. I've been involved with top scientists all around, and climate scientists all around the world, Australia, America, Europe, and England, and so on. So that's the, the interest and the development from my side. So, yes, that's why I'm working on it, to show that there are certain seasonal and annular effects, annual and, and sunspot, for example, every 11 years. It's cyclical. So there's cyclical effects, and we can talk about those later. But, yes, so it's I'm into that. <laughs> so we'll go through and um, we will present the science. And um, anybody out there who doubts uh, Maureen Pugh had the right to question. Hopefully you'll see that, um, like me, who I, you know, I formerly was part of the climate cult, um, you can actually come out Therapy of Therapy has helped. <laughs> yes, and you can actually start to see with a clear mind. So shall we just start? Before we go, I want to cover something off because I think it's vitally important that the people out there get to hear this. Um, now, this is, of course, not that we trust government, but anyway, this is from data gov.nz okay so for all those people who say you're a conspiracy theorist and all that this is your government speaking to you about the hawks bay bay flood risk areas just i'll just read a small part of this much of the settled hawksbury region is low lying and built on river flood plains keep that in mind this brings the risk of floodings no shit um which our which is our most common natural hazard. A severe thunderstorm or flood happens every 10 years on average. So Green Party, all your grandstanding and using this tragedy and people's lost lives to um, push a political ideology that's not based in science, and it's certainly um, not based on anything other than your masters wanting you to sell a bill of goods to the public, bear in mind that the evidence is right at your fingertips. So 
with what um, the professor has in terms of this as well on this subject, the whole climate narrative that you are trying to push and he is about to destroy, you need to get hold of the information. And Maureen, please get hold of Professor Duffy. We will have his details. He'll be giving his details later. You'll be able to just call him right up, email him, and uh, then you can take it to your boss, Chris Luxon, who's trying to uh, get the Green Party vote and virtue signaling himself like a little coward he is and he won't stand up against um, the globalists. You'll have the answers in hand to them pushback. Yes, that sounds like um, a good plan. So let's get back to basics, uh, Professor. Let's just start with uh, what is and what causes the climate to change? Well, it's a lot. Of, there is a lot of things, and all energy comes from the sun to start with. So that that's the main cause. One hundred and fifty million kilometers it travels it does nothing and it's visible light and it's ultraviolet and it's radiation uh, infrared radiation now combined it's called electro electromagnetic radiation now when it comes to earth what does it see first now there's a few little things up in the stratosphere and we won't look at that we haven't got time but it hits the clouds so what two-thirds of the world is clouds so what does radiation do first? It's the clouds. What are clouds made out of? Not water vapor, but water droplets. Okay, let's go through the clouds. 58% gets to the earth. So what's on the earth? Well, 70% is water. Oceans are 71% of the world, 70.9 actually. And so what do you get? Radiation strikes the earth. Now, what does light do? It doesn't do anything with, with water, but and ultraviolet, some of it's been gobbled up up in the stratosphere, and but the little bit of, of, of radiation hits the world, warms it up, and you get evaporation. Then you get evaporation, you get condensation, but in, then it forms clouds. Now, it actually forms water droplets first. So people say we've got water and clouds, two-thirds about each. Okay, but it's not all the truth because we've got water droplets wandering around. They haven't formed a cloud yet. They don't talk about any of that. Now, once you've got clouds, you've got different structures and heights of clouds because the air temperature goes down six and a half degrees per kilometre rise, rise, rise. So if you're on an airplane at, let's say, 10K, and you, most of you have been on an airplane, it says it's minus 50, minus 55 degrees outside. Yep. There's a few molecules. So the reason why it's minus 55 is not just temperature, but the molecules are further apart. They don't collide. And it's the collision of the molecules that causes temperature. Down on Earth, the density is higher, molecules collide, go down to Death Valley, it's higher again because they're close together, and they bang, temperature's higher. So temperature, it doesn't, is, is not, it's a term, but it's due to, it's a mechanism, is collisions of molecules. Now, when we go at the clouds, the clouds get together, and then the little particles, so they're little droplets, you can't see them, they amalgamate, they form a cloud, different types of clouds. We won't talk about that now. After a little while, the droplets amalgamate and they dump 13 million tonnes a second around the world of water. So water, when it comes through the air, cools the air, then cools the ground and then cools the ocean. Good example. You're driving out on a odd day and it starts a sunny day. It's just 25 degrees. Your car thermometer reads 25. Starts to rain. You look at your thermometer again. It's 21, 18, 19, because the rain cools the air. So we've got this cyclical water cycle that occurs. Now, if you've got water evaporating, naturally it evaporates from the ocean. 
air and water's got to come in to replace it. You can't have a vacuum underneath. So it forms a low pressure system. That's where we get our low pressures from. So it goes up and as it moves out, it forms a, a circular, not so circular, but pattern. And so we get these patterns. Now at the particular situation we've had in New Zealand, we had a high pressure system that didn't move to the right of, of, of Christchurch out in the sea. So when the water, when the turbulence and motion of water vapour coming, which is then clouds and so on, coming down across from Cairns and, and, and north of Australia, it was coming down, it would normally dump its water in the, in the Tasman Sea or swing across and dump its water in the Pacific Ocean. It just so happens this high-pressure baby stopped it going down and dumped it on New Zealand. Now, it's all tied up with, with uh, <clears throat> natural behaviour, because the earth is rotating, and if the earth's rotating, you're going to get swirling patterns in the air, you're going to get the dynamics of what's happening. And so what we've happened, what's happened recently, of course, is a completely natural phenomena. Might not have, it might have been the worst for years, but we normally get massive dumping in this in the Cook Strait, and not the Cook Strait, the uh, Tasman Sea, or over near Chatham Islands, and they get dumped on. And uh, sometimes, of course, the water doesn't, it rotates further and goes out to further uh, east. So the Earth's rotating, and therefore it's setting up global macro motions. And as I said, we've got 423 trillion tonnes of water dumped and snow every year, which is 13 million tonnes a second. And by the way, the little droplets, when they amalgamate, they amalgamate at the rate of 42 times the surface area of the Earth per hour. And you can do this wow. yourself. You don't need, you can sit at a pen and paper on your, on your own desk and do that yourself. It's simple as. And so 42 times the surface area. The surface area of the Earth is 510 million square kilometres at times 42 per hour as a, as a little micro droplets combine to form a wine droplets and then they fall. Okay, hang on, hang on, I'm, hang on a minute. I've got to let me get this right. You know, as a layman, yeah. uh, are you telling me that all the scaremongering we've had over these years and had it banged into our head that us, by virtue of breathing, is killing us? That 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 we're mistaken? That we're not going to die because a cow's farting in the back paddock? Well, that's another question. Uh, of course, if we want to take just the basic facts, we talk about greenhouse gases. And the biggest greenhouse gas is water vapour. So water vapour is the biggest one. It's 1% in New Zealand, 4% in the tropics. Now, it varies quite a bit. Coming out of your mouth, it's, it's, it's high. So we've got water vapour. Now you've got carbon dioxide. Now carbon dioxide is 0.04%. So water vapour is 25 times carbon dioxide. Now of the carbon dioxide, 95% of the 0.04% is natural. <laughs> so it's dishonest. It's totally dishonest for government, for the, the uh, IPCC, the International Panel of Climate Change, to actually attribute that. So now if you think about that, totally dishonest for government, for the, the uh, IPCC, the International Panel of Climate Change, to actually attribute that. So now if you think about that, 1% water, 0.04% carbon dioxide, and of the carbon dioxide, 95% is natural, now, if you do your figures, you're over 99.8% natural greenhouse gases. Now, and here I was thinking the government wouldn't lie to us. Well, I, I said that 
with a big tongue in cheek, just saying. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, the fact that the IPCC is part of the United Nations should have people asking questions. Um, and the best results money can buy. That's right. So, um, well, maybe this is actually a good um, opportunity for you to tell people where the scientists are um, that you align with. Where can people find uh, those scientists? Because, of course, they love to say, oh, the IPCC, you know, has created scientific consensus. And, of course, we know science should never be based on consensus. It should be based on facts and evidence. So where where can people find Real scientists like yourself. Well, a stupid thing came out years ago by an Australian that 97% of scientists believe in this stuff. And then, of course, uh, President Obama used that and others have used that. Well, that's total rubbish because the average scientist doesn't have them. It's too busy to look at it. And then some are chemists and they look at the chemistry side. And and, uh, a good example, uh, carbon dioxide in water forms coke. Uh, uh, it's say in coke or co- in soda stream it's acidic carbon dioxide in sea can never ever ever be acidic it's always alkaline because there's mollusks and shells and it keeps it alkaline it's impossible for the ocean to be alkaline uh, to be acidic they of course it's becoming less alkaline but you can't have something that's been less alkaline it's either acidic or it's alkaline it can change so that alone for the chemists now the physicists are more concerned about, that's, I'm not saying only, but they're concerned about radiation. Now, radiation is important up in the top deck and the effects of radiation. Now, radiation, of course, it gets scattered by the little droplets, it gets transmitted, it gets absorbed, and so on, and, so on, and there's the dynamics of it. Then, of course, you've got, so I'm coming back to answer your question. Uh, there are a lot of engineers and scientists around the world who uh, into this, and uh, and uh, they, they form groups right around the world, and they've signed petitions and sent them to the Senate and so on, and and in America, and they've signed petitions and so on, sent around the world. But unfortunately, the political maneuvering that if you're involved in research, and your research doesn't match what they want you to do, you cut off your funding, or in some cases, like Professor Ridd up in. Uh, on the coral, coral reef stuff, they sacked him from the university and he had to go to court over it. And they were then sh- later on showing they're totally wrong. The, the barrier reef is, is alive and well and colours are fantastic and there's a lot written on that. So what we've got is people are frightened to say something because their money, because I've retired and it doesn't depend on it, I don't, I'm not affected by it. But I tell you what, I went to the Royal Society. The Royal Society of New Zealand asked for contributions only internally from the Royal Society fellows. I'm a fellow of the Royal Society. There's only about 400 fellows. Would we write something in their journal? Within a half a day, it was thrown out because I wasn't speaking the line the the Royal Society wanted. So you can't get in. I can't get into universities. I was told at the university now, I gave a talk at the University of Auckland, please, this is don't come back because you're going to upset because we've got people in the university who are determined to push the barrow of classical concepts of of carbon dioxide causing the real problem. But carbon dioxide, methane is even worse because there's so little methane. It's 0.00019% and half of that's natural. So what we... There you go. 
I'm getting a bit emotional now. But anyway. No, that's good. Passion, passion is what's needed because I think passion yeah. also drives science and the and the the quest to find out and understand what's going on. And what you said is exactly right. We saw it with the whole uh COVID line, the narrative being pushed out, the real doctors who care about actual promotion of health in a person were getting silenced and they were, they, they were their careers getting eviscerated while the other stayed silent, cashed their checks and didn't give a shit or damn about injecting everyone with an unknown quantity and just basically laying waste to people. And that is the science now proves that it's dangerous. Pfizer's own documents condemn it, but the government still allows murderous um, organizations to go out there and ad hoc and jab everyone. The same thing is playing out with the climate narrative as well. They want to drive people into these smart cities. They want to basically reorganize the world the way they want it. And they've got their foot on the gas, as I said before, and then the gas. You see what I did there? Uh, and they're not taking it off for anyone. How the hell do we put the real science that you have in front of these people and actually transmit it from there? Let's talk about radiation transmission and that into their brain cells to actually energize an idea yeah, well very very difficult of course but look 80 percent of the world's energy for cars and for electricity generation 80 percent is gas or oil and coal and coal now the population the third world's growing like crazy so in 40 years ago it was 80 percent 81 86 percent it's still 80 and that's predicted well, bp was in one of their handouts too still in 40 years time it's going to be 80 percent because until you replace some those basic things which of course are so vital and then they're not affecting it. it's a trace of a trace of a trace carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is so small you can hardly measure it and i think i sent you that carbon dioxide if you measure carbon dioxide near a crop it's down to 300 parts per million from 400-odd parts in a morning, in three hours, because it's gobbling up carbon dioxide, because carbon dioxide is converted, it spits out oxygen in the photosynthesis, <clears throat> takes the carbon atom, the atom, and makes the sugars and starches, and then it grows all the molecules. There's mechanisms in there and bacteria and other stuff, and they make leaves, they make cellulose, then they make the apples or the oranges, whatever it is, the flowers, the colours, they all comes from the air. There's no not much carbon in the ground. 93% of the carbon dioxide is in the sea, 5% is in the land, and only 2% is in the atmosphere. So, and most of that is not carbon dioxide, you know, caused by, by man. 95% of that is not caused by, it's natural. And so what we've got is that we need to have a fresh look at the evidence, because it's all there. You don't have to be, there's that video I showed you, I only need two sites and the biggest site that's that's missing and most scientists don't see it because that's why i said we, we say follow the science but that's just oh i don't be rude but it is almost a stupid thing to do what is the science and who is yeah. the science you don't follow the science because the science is a general it's like follow the cup of water it, it's meaningless <laughs> so what we're going to do is follow the mechanisms the causes the amounts and it's not just concentration soon as you go to droplets it becomes population and if you don't talk about that in fact if you don't talk about water vapor and water droplets and the effect of this was and only talk about carbon dioxide there's a public confession that you don't understand and i'm not being rude i'm just saying it's a public confession 
So well, and that's that's the um thing that I should clarify. I refer to you as a scientist, but of course you're an engineer, and you're putting science into practice, and you're working with it on a daily basis. So it's not just theoretical for you. So let's um let's make it practical. So basically, you're a, you're not a I read a book once scientist. You're a I did it. Scientist. Yes, exactly. So what? Let's just move on um to this methane for the farmers in New Zealand. Why do you think now all of a sudden, um, not only, you know, is the National Party on board with everything, even a lot of the farmers are, but should farmers be worried about their cows' flatulence? Is this a real concern? Uh, you mean farting? Not scientific. Methane is so small. Can I give you, may I give you a, a quick overview? Yes. Take Auckland is 1.7 million people, right? And if we take take um, uh, the whole atmosphere, it's 1.7 million. Water would be one percent of the atmosphere, which is 17,000 particles parts parts. Carbon dioxide is 700. Methane is three. So and a couple of those things don't absorb much. So they're three little kids. How can three little kids of methane do anything in the whole of New Zealand? Uh, whole of Auckland. So you're saying that, I mean, it's it's not even, you can do it yourself. You can examine it yourself. So based on, that's in the literature. So the methane is 0.00019%, half of which is about half, could be a bit more, uh, is, is man-made. So methane doesn't do anything. Now, methane goes into the atmosphere, and they, what the big things, the stupid thing they're doing now is say methane is stronger. It's 28 times stronger than carbon dioxide. You must be sick. Why? Because infrared, it's only to do with radiation. It's only to, and in the atmosphere, methane is converted, oxidized into carbon dioxide and water. So, it, it, okay, it's there. It's important. And I'm not saying it doesn't have an effect, but it's trace of a trace of a trace. It's like the flea on the flea of the elephant. It's a baby flea on the flea of the elephant. And so we miss the big things. And that's why carbon dioxide, too. Carbon dioxide is the fertilizer. It's probably a bad word. It's the it's utterly vital for growth. And that's why they put carbon dioxide into greenhouse gases, <laughs> into greenhouse greenhouses to up the crop yield. And that's why there's been a 30% increase in growth rate of apples and oranges and crops and potatoes and you name it and in the last 30 years because the carbon dioxide's gone up. And, Which is a good thing for our food chain. Yeah, very important. But what they want to do is they want to get rid of carbon dioxide, kill the food chain, and eventually kill us. We are the carbon they are trying to remove, ultimately. So well, how, Okay, how much has the carbon increased by? In the last 50 years? That's a very good question because, again, there's lies. And you can easily see it. You know, I don't show you. So on the on the curves, I've been doing it this way. <laughs> um, the curve for carbon dioxide is going up, going up exponentially. But if you look closely, it's going up like this. So it goes up 10 parts per million or so in six months. And the next six months, it goes down eight parts per million. And so the net effect is about two to two, two and point four parts per million increase per year. People say, "Oh, it's big." Yeah, keep in mind, ninety-five percent of ninety plus percent of that is man-made. Okay, why is it That's true? The big question, very important. In the northern hemisphere, two thirds of the northern hemisphere is land, and one third water. 
in the southern hemisphere, two-thirds is water and one-third is land. So therefore, your growth rates, the demand for carbon dioxide by crops and by trees and other growth things in the northern hemisphere is different season. So it's every six months and it's uniform. If you look at it, it's not it's not uh, temperatures doing that and it's going straight. <laughs> but carbon dioxide is going up and it's cyclical. It's going up and down. And the net effect is two. But to say that it's two only parts per million is wrong because you're denying the truth that it's going up 10 and going down eight or that order, you know. So yeah. it's pretty important. And that's where... The press gets it wrong. That's where the media gets it wrong, where the politicians get it wrong. And, and yeah. naturally, they don't look at it. And, and it's all there. It's on, You go on the web. You don't believe me. Just go on the web, look at carbon dioxide and see it. But I but, but, you know. Before Hannah gets the next to the next question, I just want to uh, remind people out there of the amount of carbon dioxide that we have in the atmosphere, how much of that, again, is naturally occurring? Well, 95%, some say it's is natural, but probably it's 97%. But anyway, let's say 95%. And also just to give them a give just to give them a slight win. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're losing everything else here. And the, the other important um factor that they always like to scare us with is sea levels rising. Now, when I was at university, I was very much, you know, part of the environmental Green Party, Greenpeace kind of uh movement and then intensive therapy happened yes and i was an alarmist saying that in 10 years time you know basically we'd all be what does calvin like to say we'd all be <laughs> like fish flapping around well if it um, was true all gills. with all their projections in there modeling and, and modeling well we can talk about modeling in a minute but all of that if that was true we would all be flapping around on our lawns and we will be growing gills about now. Yeah. Yeah. So that hasn't happened. Uh, and this is about 15 years later. Insurance companies are still insuring beachfront property. Why would that be if they were actually believing the crap as well? Yeah. So what, what can you tell us about sea level rising and, of course, uh, the Great Barrier as well? Because that's another example they always like to use. Okay. Well, Go on, anyone can go on the sea ice page. The sea ice page shows the amount of uh, uh, ice forming on the sea ice uh, in both the North Pole and South Pole. We'll come back to that. Now, on the um, sea level rise, if you can go on the international page on sea level, which is run by NOAA, the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration, it's got data all around the world for every city. And if you hunt it down, you'll find there's nowhere in the world there's been a sudden increase in in uh, sea level rise. So the average sea level rise around the world, and I've got the data here for averages for years, for even 50, 100 years uh, in New Zealand and Australia and so on, it's around about 1.6 to 1.8 millimetres per year, and it hasn't changed, hasn't gone, kicked up, hasn't, nowhere in the world has kicked up. In fact, a couple of countries has gone down like we did down near Wellington and the north of North Island. It went down because the, there's a, not just the sea level, but it's the geothermal, uh, not geothermal, the subsidence of the land because the tectonic plates are moving under each other like in New Zealand. And so the level dropped and the sea level dropped. But And the satellite only measures the, the surface level. You've got to bring in the land movement as well. So sea level is basically not rising very much, but we've got to think we could have the moon effects cyclic. That's why a big moon recently, high tides, you've got tides twice a day. You've got massive movements caused by the moon 
and variations in levels, variations, everything. You've got storms out of that, the rotation of the Earth. So now you've got this water moving around, and people said, sea levels rising. Well, basically, sorry, it's bordering on stupid because it, it just look at the data for 50 to 100 years of every city in the world. I've got averages for the South, Southern, West, South America, and Australia, and so on. Now, New Zealand has got about four or five stations. Australia's got about eight, and it's got the averages of Australia back hundred over 100 years. And it hasn't gone up more than that. Now, it's gone up a couple of times, and it's bigger around, but, but it, it blips around. It does move. It's not stationary, but it hasn't, on average, gone up more than about 1.6, 1.8 millimetres per year. Now, 1.6 to 1.8 millimetres, you know what I mean? 18 millimetres in old terms is three-quarters of an inch. Three quarters of an inch in uh, in the ten years, so mm. it's uh, it's pretty small. Now it's not saying that water doesn't go up, but but people don't even understand that when more they got talking about ice breaking off from the South Pole, North Pole, ice. If you take a bottle of a jug of water and put ice cubes on and measure the mark, when the ice melts, it doesn't change the level. That's Archimedes' principle. We did that in kindergarten, so that's all. Yep. Displaced like a ship already displaces the water, so the ice blocks just melt and then the level doesn't rise at all. Now, of course, naturally, if things expand, the water gets hotter and so on. But you can't talk about an average sea level of water. The top level is very warm, down below it's quite cold. And uh, so you've got gradients. Now, unless you talk about that, <laughs> so that's the problem. But just to finish on this ice thing, <clears throat> very important the amount of ice melting in six months in the South Pole and the North Pole is about one and a half times the size of Australia. Imagine flying from New Zealand to Australia. It's totally missing. Darwin's missing. Perth's missing. Sydney's missing. The whole of Australia's missing. Song in Tasmania as well. It's missing. It's more than that because, as I said, it's one and a half times the size of Australia. And then you come back six months later and it's all back. New Zealand, if it was down the South Pole, would would melt in in less than four days and reform in for the whole of new zealand form in four days so unless people look at the data which are freely there you don't even need a certain you can look up this the um sea, sea level or the ice page this you know anyway so it's it's pretty dramatic but if yeah, you talk about sea level rising causing problems and getting it confused with the rotation of the earth the winds the storms don't forget the air is moving to a massive movement it's turbulent mixing and if people don't know and who understands that mainly engineers that's what we yeah. do and evaporation who understands evaporation and humidification engineers dryers working with dryers and that but chemists and scientists physicists don't often work with that they work with evaporation but studying humidification is a big thing because they always say it's as sheer well, laziness isn't it it's sheer laziness people don't want to look they want to be spoon-fed the information and be happy that they've done so and i can officially say that the green party as a whole is dumb <laughs> well well they they always like to use the example of the atolls um shifting and you know that all these little island nations are going to mind the coral's breaking down and it's sinking yeah they're going to be covered up um, and they're going to be, you know, taken away. So the Great Barrier Reef, obviously, is an example as well. So what's happening there, and um, is climate change responsible for its uh, death, or is it regrowing? Look, 
you've got to follow this thing that where the university in Queensland sacked uh, Professor Reid. Went to a big court case. The court went against him eventually on the second round. They got they won the first one, the second one. Now, Dr. Jennifer Moriarty, who's um, I've got her book here. Um, she's an expert in this whole thing, and this is this is uh, climate change, the facts. And uh, she's a specialist in that. She's publishing all the time and presenting stuff all the time. They've gone down and taken pictures of the coral. The colours are already there, so it's it's already there. Now, trace it's been shown that oil from sunburn cream by swimmers looking around the coral, just a trace on a few molecular layers on the, on the coral can damage the coral so that the next part doesn't grow on it. It doesn't grow. So you're actually damaging it by if it's near a river and there's pollutants coming from a chemical factory up the river, that can affect it. Now, people say temperature is temperature. Again, if you look at the temperature up in the tropics, the temperature is going up and down about between 31 and 33, 30, 29 to 33. It's going oscillating. It's hardly changed. And there's been no known or visible or recorded change over that pattern. It's changing. The pattern's not perfect, but it's not changing. So, of course, small things and corals rehabilitate. You know, if you get a sore, you rehabilitate too. After a while, you've got, I might have a scar, but that's it. <laughs> but so <laughs> I, that's a game of scaremongering technique and yeah. often misunderstood and misapplied. And until we find people who are not funded by the big guys and the big systems around the world or the United Nations pressing climate change, they should just provide fresh water for the wells down the wells in Africa and do that type of thing instead of victimizing. We've become victims, and the average person watching the news, victims. What yep. I mean, I'll give an example. I sent a lot of my stuff when I got that video that I did, which you can look at. Uh, I sent that to every newspaper in New Zealand, perhaps by one or two, I got them wrong. Not one of them replied. They don't want to know. They don't want to look at it. And I sent documentation to show that one that no temperature rise, no temperature rise, but a half a percent, less than half percent humidity rise in a morning puts out more water vapor than a hundred years of carbon dioxide, and it's a greater greenhouse gas. So, if you're not, there you go. In truth, I'm sorry, I can't do anything else, and that's why I can't do anything else. And that's why Counterspin Media exists to counterspin the narratives that have been pushed by government and every organization that wants to hold captive humanity into a slave mindset and a physical enslavement. So just before we wrap it up, uh, Professor, can you make um, you know your final comments uh, for the people of the Hawke's Bay and and maybe you know the way that the, the media is scaremongering around climate change, what would you like to say to those people? Well, it's extremely, extremely sad for people who have built and domiciled in areas that are flat and and beyond them, the hills where the water runs down into the rivers and so on. And it's a unique event. It's not happened for a long time. And they've had floods before, just like around the world. So a lot of places around the world build in, in areas that are vulnerable. And, of course, Brisbane in Queensland and that, they put the house on stilts because they know the water will come and when it, plus the fact that it keeps the house cool, having air underneath. But how can we say that it's certainly caused by a change in weather? 
and it's certainly caused by a normal change in weather because the world, if we just study the rotation of the world and the movement of water vapour and clouds, plus the rain, plus the high-pressure systems, low-pressure systems, and there's a lot more we haven't talked about uh, today uh, to do with the sunspots, mm. cyclical events, the change of patterns uh, of caused by it, but they're not man-made changes. And... Uh, so it's sad. Now, man has a contribution. Mankind. I'm talking about mankind, not man. Uh, it's just like the White House. You can't call it White House anymore. Uh, it's just, um, <laughs> no, it is mankind. You can say that here because yeah, we are not political, gender-assigned Muppets. People, uh, haven't, haven't caused it. I mean, we I certainly contributed a little bit to it. There's no doubt about that. But it's minuscule. And it's very hard to identify, actually. It's very hard to measure, seeing that most carbon dioxide, for example, which is all they're worried about is, they're all worried about is temperature. Weather is more than temperature. It's it's moisture change, rainfall, snowfall, number of sunshine hours, and other meteorological factors. So they're just skewing it all and getting people full of fear, and fear is, is bad. Now, of course, down the down in that area, Hawks by area, it's going to take a while to clean up, clear up, and and that, and and of course, I think things got to be redesigned to actually cope with increased flooding in certain times, and also to get the water away from it. And it's happened here, uh, happened at our place. The water gushed like a; it would fill a bucket up in one area per five seconds. Coming in out alongside our place in Auckland, and next door was was flooded. And so it's it's and it's just heavy rainfall, seventy millimeters yeah. in one hour, and that's hundreds of tons per square meter, uh, per square kilometer of water just in Auckland alone. And so and that I think that I think is the problem. People have they're not building with or in accordance with nature. They're building in defiance of it, and nature sure has a good way of telling you just how mortal you are when you start messing with the principles of nature. Yeah. And that's exactly what these people are trying to do. Another thing, too, that we didn't touch on that I really wanted to, but we will get you back because um, more people need to hear this. And all the people who um, are intelligent watch Counterspin Media and not the 6 o'clock news, so then they'll pass it to their dumb friends. Their dumb <laughs> friends will realize that they've been had. They'll get more intelligent, and so it will go on like a tsunami of water. Um, it'll wash the dumbness away. <laughs> um so is the geoengineering now we know people say that's not a thing it is a thing um they've we've proven it we've seen all the patents we've seen this sprain going overhead and it's not contrails they are chemtrails they've been admitted by the governments hello they've been admitted admitted by industry and this is all apparently to reflect the sun back out into the universe so it cools the earth down to stop climate change to stop that's what bill gates climate is. change but mm. you can't stop the, the weather climate. yeah you can't stop the weather i mean can you make a quick quickly make sense of that yeah, well, before uh, we uh sign out uh, two two things first of all the temperature's gone up one degree in 100 years you step out from on a hot sunny day from under a tree into the sunshine you go up five or ten degrees this morning it's gone from about 17 degrees outside to about 22 or maybe 16 to 22 outside our place now goes up four or five degrees each day and nobody dies from that so why scaremonger one degree in a hundred years? Now that and then blame carbon dioxide as if because carbon dioxide went up one percent in a hundred years, and therefore well, hundred. I'm sorry, it went up over a hundred parts per million in one year. Now what I show in the data that can go out if you want it is that water vapor goes up 
more in one hour in a few minutes than 100 years of carbon dioxide, and it's a bit of greenhouse gas. So, and that's just, by the way. Now, on the contrails thing, it's very important to see they've been playing with that since the 40s, 1940, and they've used silver chloride and then other compounds, and they can control, uh, it's not just contrails from jets, because the jet burns the fuel, and the fuel comes out, it's carbon dioxide and water vapour. It hits a coal atmosphere, which is probably minus 10, minus 5, minus 8, minus 10, and it now condenses, so you get a natural contrail from a jet. No, what they've done, and this is fairly recently, they have found that the silver compounds in America have gone up hundreds of percent over what it was years ago. In fact, it was zero about 80 years ago, and this guy's been measuring fresh snow and fresh rainfall and finding that there's more seeding going on. Now, there are compounds, and some of those will get into our water stream. We won't, they're trace, they're not many. There's microparticles, you can't see them, very, very small. So we've got a real problem there. It could have some value in New Zealand for controlling some water things, but by the same token, whenever you seed something, you've got to make sure that the seeding type things to amalgam because that's what it's trying to do two micro droplets join together that's called a dimer two micro droplets of water now if you can form particle there they'll grow on that particle and form a big drop and therefore you get rain clouds and stuff so it's a it's a big picture there and it's a dangerous thing that's happening if we move into that area of con climate control and also this stupid idea that you can send more radiation back into outer space by by blowing, blasting part of the moon up to form dust. And we know that already. If you have an earthquake and a, a Mount Pinatabo, the temperatures went down on average. It went for two years. So you can follow that. It's all on the web. It's mm. not, you don't even need a theorist to, uh, to do that. So we don't need a lot of science. We need common sense, a willingness to look at the data, well, this thing to fall through, and we've if, providing we've got no political agenda. But I'm afraid, as I said, I've sent stuff before the government. This government had a, 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 a meeting, both sides, to discuss a couple of years ago, it was the, the crisis of climate change. I sent these documents showing of all the things I list just list them out, and I got. One reply from, I think, one reply from one secretary. The rest said didn't say a word, and yet it maps it all out. And I, I put in there is at least twenty eight other mechanisms that are not to, due to radiation. Twenty eight mechanisms. Now, who's looking at mechanisms? Engineers, driving forces. You know. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and it shows that the uh, political elites have already made up their mind they're not actually wanting to look at the science they're not really elites are they they're just cretins they're just little parasitical leeches trying to tax us for something that nature does naturally anyway yes so we could Losers, uh, that's what they are we could talk to you all day professor we will certainly yeah um, that's what it is back. it's yeah. all about money that's right Money's power and control yeah. yeah so it's been really great having you on yeah. um can you please just direct people where they can get in touch with you um and what what websites they can find your work on because we'll no also doubt... put them up so people can follow along yep yes well i haven't got a kind of official website such as but if you've got any questions it's jeff g-e-o-f-f -F, duffy one word 
D-U-F-F-Y, Jeff Duffy, one word, at Lycos, L-Y-C-O-S dot com. And I will either send you stuff or answer your questions, or if you want to take me to court, well, then I'll join you and uh, <laughs> whatever. But uh, uh, there are, I can give you some sources, but it's just off the top of my head you asked me. Um, it's it's a bit hard to give you a lot of this. Yeah, we'll let, we'll put your links down the bottom. We'll link to um, the Climate Realists as well and other um, places like that. It's been a real uh, pleasure having you on, and um, we hope to have you back. We'll be sitting in the Green Party for re-education. <laughs> Thanks very much, Sarah. Well, wish you well. Thank, Thank you, you. Thank you very much, Professor. Now, there's a man with the facts and evidence. Now, upon recording that, remember uh, just prior we talked about uh, Maureen Pugh, the West Coast List MP for National, was asking about wanting, she was waiting for the opposition, or uh, I think it was James Shaw to send her the evidence. Well, there's a good dose of evidence for you. But since then, uh, leader of the opposition, Christopher Luxon, has decided to whip uh, Maureen into shape and basically told her in no uncertain terms, if you want a political career going forward, you better tow the party line. This is what we've all agreed in Parliament. Where have we heard that before? They all agreed that COVID was a thing, that the jabs must be taken, that the mandates were for your for your safety. And um, despite all being wrong and all uh, crapping over you from a great height, once again, they're now all on board about climate. Because if you're a climate denier, that's the new Satanism. Climate denying is Satanism these days, according to these people, which is funny because they're actually the opposite side of the spectrum. And actually, the media was also saying that if you do not believe the mainstream narrative on man-made climate change, then you shouldn't be allowed to be a politician. That's right. So no more free speech. Yeah. So this is the update. No more academic thoughts. Thought you're a thought. It's a thought crime. Thought crime. Here it goes. They're there coming go. now. AI is going to come in there, little chip, and they're going to just switch that part of your brain off until you confess. So let's play the update that we have on the Maureen Pugh situation. Yes, I do have a statement to read um, that I've just put together, so you've only just received a copy. I regret that my comments this morning were a bit unclear and will have led some to think that I am questioning the causes of climate change, and that is clearly not my position. I accept the scientific consensus that human-induced climate change is real, and there is a need to curb greenhouse gas emissions. We are seeing the impact of climate change and the cyclone that's devastated so much of New Zealand. Uh, that's why National is committed to New Zealand achieving its greenhouse gas emissions reductions targets, including net zero by 2050. Is this what you, be is this, is this what you believe or is this what you've been told to say? This, these are my words. We are deeply supportive of being net carbon zero by 2050. Why have you been told to say that? I have not been instructed to say this at all. Why did you say that? Why did this morning did you say that you need evidence that humans are, co are contributing to climate change then? Well, I've got to say that um, this is not my comfort zone. You guys in front of me with cameras and speakers, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't probably um, you know, calm enough this morning to articulate properly. But look, National Party signed up to the Paris Accord. We are very supportive of the programs, the uh, emissions trading scheme. It, so we need to sort that out. Uh, but actually, um, you know, I, I probably didn't articulate that. Have, have you undermined your? Have you undermined your? Have you undermined your party by your your comments this morning? Um, yes, I probably have, and I have apologised to the leader for doing that. And there you have it. 
walked back, folded like a deck chair. I I was rooting for her all the way. I was. And then all of a sudden, yes, yes, Massa. Let me polish your head. Like I polish yours. <laughs> yeah, we did in a better way. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was uh, a bit sad to see because she actually has spoken out also against the way that the government and the opposition handled COVID-19 response. And again, she was silenced and required to pull down her Facebook posts at the time. Uh, and, but people hey, like, and people like bloody um, Mr. Burns, I mean, James Shaw from the um, from the, from the Green Party, you know, you've got to ask a question. Remember we used to go to at school and that people used to go, bro, do you even lift? You know, all that sort of stuff. And James Shaw, do you even science? Seriously, yeah. do you even have? Well, you did challenge them, didn't you? I have. I put up a, a tweet from Counterspin Media on Twitter because we, we're on there now, haven't been banned yet, um, and I challenged them. I asked them, are you willing to debate, live stream to you, the people, they bring their experts, we'll bring ours, and we will settle this matter once and for all. There has so far been crickets. As usual, except Marima Davidson did have a massive conniption uh, with Maureen Pugh, and she just could not cope with the fact that uh, there was still anybody out there that was questioning the science. Yeah, you can't, you can't be a climate denier. No one denies there's a climate. We live in it, you clowns. Yeah, and weather does change. Climate changes over time. Uh, like we're saying, the question is, how much is uh, methane and carbon dioxide and man-made carbon dioxide? Well, we've just eviscerated your carbon dioxide um, narrative. That's gone. You've got nothing left to hold on to. So um, what we want to do now is, of course, Sanjay Wadahua uh, from the Disinformation Project, a.k.a. the Ministry of Propaganda here Should in New Zealand. Should be the Projection um project because that's all they do they project onto us what they themselves are guilty of they are guilty and the major purveyors of mis and disinformation in fact they're flat out liars yeah and it's so funny because we said after covid uh the mainstream's narrative and the government's narrative would be climate change and listen to how he flips that whole script in this clip the COVID-19 pandemic saw disinformation and misinformation run rife, but over time some conspiracy circles have switched their focus towards extreme climate change denial. And now we're seeing it with Cyclone Gabrielle. Dr Sanjana Hadatua from the Disinformation Project joins us now for more on this. I almost can't believe it. Uh, some people think that a plague of locusts type thing has been sent down by politicians. There are conspiracy theories about the death toll that's not being given to the public how has this happened to us well by the time you guys come around to that question uh, some of us have been observing these developments for a very long time which seems to be the standard answer whenever i come on the show so it's not surprising to the disinformation project that we are at we at the stage we are but there is some violence in trying to explain it in a few seconds it's a bit like you know trying to explain a Puccini uh, opera in, in 30 seconds. You can do it, um, but there is more to the tale. What we saw after the sunset of the traffic lights framework, um, and in particular after the end of the parliament protest last year around this time, was a switch, a shift, and a strategic sophisticated one at that of the networks that were, say, around the mandates and the anti-vaccination 
to old conspiracy uh, theories and frames, geoengineering, chemtrails, fluoridation, 1080, and a whole range of other things that they then latched on to. I'll end by saying in response to your first question that it's not just the old again. These are networks, uh, individuals. These are strategic very strong, highly sophisticated networks that are following a foreign script and have been emboldened by their success during the pandemic that they're now leveraging for the purposes of disinformation, including around Cyclone Gabriel, but also previously around the flooding in Auckland and every imaginable natural sudden onset disaster or climate change that will occur in months and years to come. They're going to be busy. Dr. Hadatua, can you tell me, is this about maintaining control or maintaining some followers? Is it about a grift? We've certainly seen people doing some kind of fundraising for these groups. Well, it's about climate change denialism leading to the entrenchment of individuals in those networks as the saviors and those who have a handle on the truth, who can then give meaning to people who are suffering as a consequence of not preparing for or not believing in or not doing the investments around what is needed to address what is an existential crisis for all of humanity, leave aside Aotearoa, New Zealand. So it's about that, it's counterintuitive and listeners might find this hard to grasp. It's about pushing back on everything that I am saying right now and what you would put out and this program when it goes out on disinformation networks and then saying, hey, look here, we are here to help listen to us we are coming with the convoys don't trust the red cross don't uh, trust the government don't trust nz civil defense don't trust anything that the mainstream media says because we have a handle on it and we will help you so it's about creating those networks that are now additional uh, and adding on to the networks that were initially around the vaccinations and mandates even though nothing comes true, I have been told to wrap, but just in 30 seconds, because I think it is important, what should we practically do or is there a solution that we can do? Is it just simply turning off the phone and going outside for a walk at this point? No, I think you need to kind of realise that this is not an issue that's going to go away. I don't see any kind of guardrails or preparation for the Red Cross, NZ Civil Defence or the Met Services to deal with disinformation around climate change. We have been through the pandemic. We know that this is real not just with the biological, but with the infection of the mind. And this is now very real in terms of its uh, impact on climate change and the environment. So I think we need to acknowledge that and work around it. Does not sound like an easy job. Dr. Sanjana Hadatua, thank you so much for your time this morning from the Disinformation Project. So the slimy Sri Lankan import, that Sanjay Watahua, now we call him Watahui for our international audience, what a, a, a hua over here is like uh well it's a it's an abbreviated multi word basically it means boiled head uh where because the head is sacred um or tapu um but it's uh, a huge insult and yeah, it's a huge it's a major insult it's basically um, saying what a little so-and-so yeah it's, it's like your child just runs right and he steals something out of your drawer he breaks some of your stuff it's like oh, you little hua that's just what it was you know we say in jest and we sort of what's the name of that but i mean it as an insult to this guy because he is a complete knob he has no facts no evidence he spends all his day looking at things on a computer and i bet he it's doesn't get a paid facebook stalker he's a stalker it's exactly what he is i mean we'd get arrested if we were doing that yeah so he um says you know Wait a minute, we did get arrested yes we did uh 
So he did say that there was basically no facts and evidence and it's just this geoengineering and, and climate, you know. Did you see the list he gave of the things he said were conspiracy theories? We have absolutely proven those conspiracy theories to be conspiracy facts. So here's another round of facts for you, Sanjay. Uh, why don't you go and uh, listen to this George Soros speech? Go and listen to it, it in its entirety. We weren't from, able to put it into your language, Ligonese. From last week in uh, Munich. And um, hear how he actually is basically backing out what we showed Bill Gates was funding last week in our previous episode. If you're going to stalk us, watch Counterspin Media properly, get the facts and evidence, and then I guarantee you'll no longer be working for the projection project. These guys are pushing geoengineering. They are saying it is a solution to climate change, man-made climate change, when in actual fact, it is what is causing man-made climate change. Probably pay you. So let's listen to old mate George Soros. The Arctic Ocean used to be covered pristine snow and ice that reflected the sunshine in what is called the albedo effect. But rising temperatures have caused the ice to melt and the Greenland ice sheet is no longer so pristine. It's covered by soot from last year's forest fires on the west coast of America, Arctic shipping and other causes. Sir David has a plan to repair the climate system. He wants to recreate the albedo effect by creating white clouds high above the Earth with proper scientific safeguards and, and, uh, and in consultation with local indigenous communities. This project could help re-stabilize the Arctic climate system, which governs the entire global climate system. The message is clear. Human interference has destroyed the previously stable system, and human ingenuity, both local and international, will be needed to restore it. We must uh, 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 reorient our international financial institutions, particularly the World Bank, to focus on climate change. The president of the World Bank, David Malpass, who was a climate denier, resigned yesterday. Since pictures are, can be more powerful than words, I'd like to show you a short video of the melting of the Greenland ice sheet with commentary by Sir David King. Easy's a creepy old fellow, right? Yeah, he's um he's really struggling to actually find his words these days. Maybe uh he's not able to get his hands on that good old adrenochrome. And and <laughs> and in all honesty, if I read in the paper that he died, I would lose no sleep. In fact, I would be joyous. Now I know it's you shouldn't wish ill on your fellow man. Yes, I do wish ill on people like that. Well, I was the Christian a parasite. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say they were fellow man and no. humans. I think people have got to realize that. that there are dark entities controlling these Muppets and they are terraforming your bodies, terraforming forming this earth to make it more palatable for them, not for you. Yeah. So what we want to do now is um go a bit retro on you. 
take you back to 2007, uh, Rosalind Peterson. She did a wonderful presentation mm-hmm. at the United Nations, and she is from the Agricultural Defence Coalition. Uh, and here is what she had to say about geoengineering. Pay attention, Sanjay. Global drumbeat right at the moment, talking about climate change and global warming. One of the things that is affected by climate change is agriculture. But some of what we are seeing is man-made, but man-made in a different way than you may guess. Uh, Weather modification programs, experimental ones done by private companies, done by the United States government, uh, done by states across the United States are underway. There's more than 50 of them in operation across the United States. All of these impact agriculture because they change the microclimates needed for agriculture to survive. None of these programs that I know of today, and this is all public record, are available at any time uh, with oversight, agricultural oversight or public oversight. These programs impact agriculture, and there are programs around the world, international corporations, are modifying our weather all the time. And they're modifying it in ways that cover thousands and thousands of square miles. Most of it is chemically altered. So that what happens is that we are putting chemicals, ground-based chemicals that are shot into the air, or chemicals coming from airplanes that change and modify our weather. So one of the things that I'm concerned about and that we need to address in the future is how these programs are impacting microclimates needed for our crops to survive and needed for pollination. Um, If we change the growing season, the pollinators may not survive and also our crops, our flowers and our tree crops may not get the pollination needed. So one of my areas is looking at this situation to see if we can begin to put under control experimental and other types of weather modification programs. The other issue is that a lot of times we're talking about mitigation for climate change. It's rather an undefined term at this period of time. And so what happens is that many times we're talking about artificially putting chemicals like sulfur or particulates into the atmosphere in what they call geoengineering schemes to reduce um, and, and help the planet, supposedly, but help the planet to not go through such a tremendous global climate change and to mitigate global warming. However, the incidence of putting chemicals into our atmosphere is going to change and impact agricultural crop production. And if you take and you put up into our skies chemicals to reduce the amount of sunlight reaching the earth, you are going to begin to reduce crop production. Studies at the University of Illinois on corn crop production show reductions. Without the process of photosynthesis, whereby plants from direct sunlight gain the energy to grow, to produce crops, we are going to find ourselves, if we mitigate in that direction, impacting the crop production not only here in the United States but worldwide. One of the things that is impacting crop production right now in the United States and reducing photosynthesis and also impacting the ability of um, solar power panels 
to generate the type of, uh, of power that they should is persistent jet contrails. NASA talks about persistent jet contrails as exacerbating global warming because they trap warmth in the atmosphere when they produce cirrus and man-made clouds. NASA also talks about that when we, that these aircraft leaving persistent contrails are changing our climate. And when they change our climate to the degree that one jet can leave a persistent jet contrail which will spread across our skies from what this picture up here on my left on the screen looks like, which is a trail left by a jet, that trail can expand to 4,000 kilometers and last for 20 hours. This was unheard of in the early 60s and the 70s, and it wasn't until the late 1980s that there was a change and we started to have persistent jet contrails that persist. NASA studies show that part of our global warming problem could be attributed to these types of contrails and the jets that leave them. So one of the issues as we go through is how do you like your skies, natural or man-made? And right now, we are making man-made clouds, and this is trapping warmth in our atmosphere. Now, hopefully, Sanjay has been educated in the facts and evidence around climate change and a number of the other mis and disinformation things he likes to put out. Somehow I don't think it really matters though, Calvin, because these people are hell-bent on taking down anybody that speaks the truth against the mainstream narrative, calling all of us misinformation, disinformation pushers, to the point where uh, we this week... Um, we're lucky enough to be supported by the wonderful Napoleon. Many of you will know him. He decided to get some mugs printed up with the Counterspin uh, logo on it. And one in particular that he um, made a mistake on and he turned the logo upside down. Um, he, he turned that into a fun thing and said, you know, help Counterspin turn mainstream media upside down. Yes, it's a one of a kind. And he put it up on Trade Me. And within hours of that going up, the trolls were out in force. Um, and for all of you overseas viewers, Trade Me is like eBay. It's just an auction, online auction place. And it was taken down. They emailed Napoleon saying it was due to misinformation and disinformation links, uh, i.e. to counterspin. Um, but it was wonderful because they had to do they a were challenged. They were challenged by um, a large number of people. Their emails would have been flooded. They were challenged. Um, by the people and the people demanded that they produce the evidence of where we have given mis and disinformation then all of a sudden yeah they came out and said uh, oh sorry oops human error we'll put that back up so um that was a good one a small one the other um and not- proof that you can't prove us wrong yeah, and, and the other, um, not necessarily a win yet, but uh, you probably all want an update. We were in court on Monday again, Kelvin, for a brief um, administrative purpose in regards to the journalistic privilege from when the police raided us, of course, last August. Yes, we're still um, pouring through the information to then tag what we consider journalistic privilege uh, to make sure no source is ever compromised. Um, 
Luckily, a lot of information was offside anyway, but we do have a little bit of there that we still don't want them to see because it's classed under journalistic privilege. Well, it's sources, right? We don't right. want people to feel like Counterspin is going to be compromised and that we're going to compromise you as a source. Because so we're going to fight tooth and nail for you. Yeah, so we actually need help with that fight. We don't actually uh, probably speak about it half as much as we should. Um, so seriously, if you guys want to see Counterspin stay on air and keep going, please do go to Counterspin media.com and uh, hit the donate button there because we still need um help with with the lawyers bills and everything because this fight is is long from over yeah well not just lawyers bills. i mean we 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 need to build we need to grow we need to rival mainstream media we want to get um information out there daily for you we want to make sure we're not just once a week you hear from us and a little bit on Telegram. We want to make sure that we deliver facts and evidence every day to keep you up to date, to let you know and take you along so you know where you are on any given day with what's happening in the world, what's real, what's not. Um, Which is where the we rate comes in. But we can't do that without your assistance. Now, there's other platforms getting millions, and yet they're producing nothing of value. If If you believe what we're doing is valuable, then chip in because otherwise we can't keep doing this simple as that yeah and we would like to be able to as calvin said be able to broadcast daily and part of making those uh costs cheaper is doing an internet-based radio so that is the next step we'd like to take someone has to rival the platform who uh you know pretend uh resistance this is where the resistance is and you are where the real resistance is. That's right. So if you have any music to start with, radio at counterspinmedia.com, royalty-free music, please email that to us. If you've got any ideas, info at counterspinmedia.com. And, uh, of course, any stories, the same email. Uh, we really need your support. And like Calvin said, you know, basically we're at that kind of crossroads, crossroads. where we really need some big support behind us because – the small team we have is actually getting to a point where we may not be able to go any go on anymore at this rate. It's just a fact of life. You know, bills have to be paid. I mean, we don't get out to stories on fresh air. You don't eat on fresh air. This is this is everything you you send us actually goes on producing this show and making sure we're in a position in order to be around to do it so it's a it's a big ask of you because let's face it the government taxes you to hell they rate you to hell they basically try to destroy everything you own but unless you get we come together and actually find something as the vanguard to push against them we're not going to get anywhere we we can win this fight and we will win this fight because we will do it together. And we are the tip of the spear here in New Zealand. Uh, we are just, we're willing to, you know, talk about those touchy subjects and say the things that most people won't. And I do want to say on behalf of our team, who is very small, but uh, we are very tight and we are very dedicated, that their family members actually sacrifice a lot to have them helping us. Yeah. And their family members don't necessarily always support them politically or don't necessarily uh, always think that they're on the right side of history. But sometimes it's just too hard to stand up. That's why people cower. That's why people go along with the narrative, because it's much easier than standing there and saying, wait a minute, you're wrong. Yeah, so making um, our team feel appreciated and supported actually goes a long way. 
So this is actually going to be a huge appeal. And I think we need to start putting in more appeals for all the people that actually support us, not just for Calvin and I, because uh, we have struggled for the past year and we don't want to keep going the way that we have been for the last year, which has been kind of, um, you know, no real place to fix our feet or, you know, sit under a table or or have our legs under a table. I don't know, eat off a table, Um, you know, no fixed abode, but we would like that to change. So Come on, guys. Uh, if you watch Counterspin and you've never actually even made a donation, then this is a call out to you guys because um, we produce everything for free. We're putting everything out for free at this point. We don't have big advertisers like the mainstream platforms do. Uh, we don't have big funders. We certainly don't have uh, taxpayer money. So it's up to you guys if you want to take us to the next level, which we will always do our best to take you guys to the next level and to take New Zealand's story to the next level, which is why we're so lucky to be on platforms like Infowars because they have a massive audience. So, um, yeah, we, we can only do this together. Team Zulu, one man who, without him, the show crashes. Basically, and he needs an understudy. So he needs a person to be able to, we need sound engineer. You know, we've, we've put these calls out before. Uh, some people who come along, best intentions in the world, just not fit for purpose. Simple as that. You can't come in and have the eyes taken off the show and try to um, train somebody. You know what I mean? It just doesn't work that way. We need people to be able to step up and do it and then maybe train someone later on. And humbly step up. Yeah. Humbly do it for out of the goodness of your heart, knowing that you're doing the right we've thing. We've had some people turn up and say, hey, how much? How much am I going to get? It's just like, there's the door. You know? we, we don't employ anybody. We don't have that type of operation. If you're somebody who wants to take us to that level of an operation, yeah. well then, great. But at this point, um, if you've got the heart, if you've got some talent and you want to actually get the truth out and be part of the info war here in New Zealand, please contact us, info yeah, some of you farmers who are um who sit on a lot of money, that's just true. You know sooner or later the government's gonna take your land. You know sooner or later they're gonna destroy your business. They are coming after you. And no national's not an answer at all. All you guys think, oh yeah, they've made a few good talking points. They do it every single election. Why is it every election cycle, the same thing? Housing, economy, education, blah, 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 blah. It happens all the time. Why? Because it is never fixed. And then you get sick of one, you'll vote in another. And then they'll destroy it or advance the foreign agenda. Then you'll get rid of them and say, oh, no, the others. I forgot that they ripped us off last time as well and destroyed our lives. Oh, we'll give them a chance. Then they'll destroy your lives. Oh, no. And you forget the last one as well. And you're playing ping pong with your future. Stop doing it. Stop voting for the same people or you will continue to get the same result. And it's not a good result. And there are a lot of good people that we will be uh, interviewing in the upcoming uh, election cycle because there are options out there. And uh, it's good to see that a lot of you stepping up. Maybe I should just do it. Maybe (laughs) I should just be a leader. I could solve this country's problem in one term of parliament, but we'd have to have the majority. Or any small party who says, we will do this, this, this. You know they can't do it unless you vote them the majority of the vote. I think you'd need a good PR uh, company, Calvin, and um, you'd have to actually take some good PR advice. I don't know if New Zealand's ready for you. I'd be a dictator. I'd do this. (laughs) You're not going to pay taxes whether you like it or not. Yeah, that's a good one, eh? Well, I don't think anyone will because argue Because I would replace all of the taxes with a 1% transaction tax. That there would give enough money. Why? Because it's an accumulative tax, but it affects no point um, along the way in any adverse way. It will hit the banks and the major corporates who send their money offshore all the time. That is where the main lot of money comes from, not out of your pocket. That, out of your pocket. that will take care of that you will wipe out income tax. No more income tax. 
No more company tax. No more fuel tax. Nothing. Just a 1% transaction tax will take care of everything. Then you save a billion dollars or so by getting rid of inland revenue that your tax money is paid to for them to chase you for the taxes that pay them. So they're gone. Put five people in the uh, account settlement clearing system down at the Reserve Bank. Boom. They monitor, make sure every day it just goes into the coffers of the government. Interest-free. No debts to pay offshore. Then we will address that debt later. Development without debt. Look at the resources we have. Look at our oil and gas industry. Okay, who's our biggest consumers? I don't care if we deal with China. I don't care if we deal with Iran. Do you guys want some of this stuff? Fine. Then you do it on our terms. You give us all the money to re um, start Marsden Point to build another refinery. We spend one refinery, giving them all the product off that. We sell it to them at, say, 70% of the market value. Then over time, it zeroes out to what they gave us to start it off and then give them, say, another 10 years. It's all profit. They borrowed nothing. And therefore, we don't have to take extra out of the economy because everything loaned comes with an interest rate that you cannot pay back. It's mathematically impossible, and that's why the world's going to crap. That's why you have foreign wars, because they're trying to pay homegrown debt. And who's every war is a banker war. That's just a fact, okay? That's who your real enemy is, the bankers and the ones who control those parasites. When you deal with those, you deal with the problem. I've got more others, many more solutions, I'll tell you, the, and you'd be happy as Larry under my uh, dictatorship. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the you'd never say actually you'd, you'd be able to enjoy your life because I decentralize everything. I only have a small 12, 13 people in parliament who deals with the outside world, the rest is local communities. Because you know the problems you have, you have the solutions to solve it. Simple, all you got to do is say, Here you go, here's the resources, you go for your life. But it would not be based on race. I would kick race right out the door. Race is gone, it's need and necessity. So, if all you people are moaning and saying, I'm a victim. Uh, at the bottom of every scale, socioeconomic scale, there is fine. We take care of you because you'll be first. Need and necessity. You have a need and it's necessary to take care of you. That's how it should work. None of this race-based apartheid crap. And anyone promoting that would be jailed. Simple as that. Or exiled back to the bloody island you came from, wherever you, the wind washed you in from. Or the Chinese ship that they threw overboard in the South Island here, whatever. Yeah. All right, I feel we'll like I, all that. I feel like I kind of need to intervene here because you've kind of gone off way on oh, a different okay. tangent. I, yeah, I almost went on another rant. Yeah, anyway, you've gone on a few I rants this the time. Police visit to tell me that um the uh you know You're prosecutor has uh, got you inciting. Yeah, I am inciting for a good time for a happy, prosperous future. I want to incite people into that. That's right. And uh, on that note. Let's all work together to be the change that we want to see in the world, to create the new earth, because uh, it is going to be good. You guys are doing great out there. Stay strong. We know that uh, this country is getting a hammering, but do all that you can to realize this too shall pass, and we will see you next time. Thank you to our guests, and thank you to all of you for watching. We really appreciate it. Rant later. You can find Counterspin, New Zealand's media revolution, at counterspinmedia.com. And now, on the InfoWars Network, at band.video.